Giants, what I'm about. And what I'm about is an old school physical mentality. Okay? We're going to put a product on the field that the people of this city and region will be proud of. Because this team will represent this area. We'll play fast, we'll play downhill, we'll play aggressive. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes, we'll play every play like it has a history and a life of its own with a relentless competitive attitude. Welcome to Big Blue Avenue. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Hank and Dichter. We apologize for the delay, uh, but we want to welcome you all here tonight to Big Blue Avenue. Again, I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Hank and Dichter. We have a very special guest joining us tonight. And Hank, first of all, welcome back. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm a little nervous right now with this Giants offseason and how things turn out. But other than that, I'm all right. How about yourself, bro? I'm doing excellent. I'm doing excellent. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. A lot of news is breaking down tonight. And with that being said, there's no better time to introduce our guest than the one, the only, the girl who talks sports, Sam Cardona. Sam, hello. What's up? How are you? Hi, guys. How are you doing? Excellent. We're really excited to have you tonight. And I know last time we had our show, we had you on as well. So we're going to be doing a lot of these with you over the offseason. And so we're really looking forward to it really getting into the meat now of free agency and what a day my screen time's gone up i don't know about you guys but (laughs) way up if i wasn't at work i probably would be right up there with you guys (laughs) all right giants fans so uh before we get into kevin zeitler leonard williams all that good stuff want to let you all know Give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at Big Blue Avenue and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Big Blue Avenue. It is new. We've been putting up daily videos on the side, but we are really excited to be back broadcasting here tonight on Review and Preview Sports. And folks, if you're watching, have a comment. Make sure to chime in. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. Like and subscribe to this Facebook page at Review and Preview Sports. So, Sam, Hank. First off, what a day it's been. Mm-hmm. As Giant fans, we've kind of been waiting for this for a while now. And um, Kevin Zeitler was released. But before we get there, Sam, why don't you tell people where they can find you and follow you? And then I want to hear your thoughts on Kevin Zeitler. We'll get right into it. Yeah, for sure. So um, you can find me at The Girl Who Talks Sports on all podcasting platforms and on YouTube, also at The Girl Who Talks Sports. So make sure that you subscribe and follow everywhere, podcast, YouTube, all that stuff. And then you can follow us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at TGWTS Podcast, The Girl Who Talks Sports Podcast. Awesome. And you actually just did an interview that uh, went up today on your channel mm-hmm. with The Entertainer, The Entertainer Talking Sports. So yeah, I watched it. Awesome interview. Work, I probably- yes. <laughs> Podcast, the girl who talks sports. Awesome. You actually just did an interview that uh, went up today. Sorry, I 
I think we're having some technical issues. Give me one second. Okay. You guys there? Yep. Yep, we're here. You guys, you there? Okay, yep. sorry. Uh, your faces are not matching the audio. Uh, I, I apologize for that. But I know we're talking about the entertainer, Sam. So I'm glad that interview went well. But I want to hear your thoughts on Kevin Zeitler, uh, who was released today, freeing up $12 million in cap space for the Giants uh, in 2021. And this is a very important move for this organization. Yeah, honestly, I think at this point in time with the salary cap and everything like that, it's very different than a couple other years in the past. $12 million was freed up because we let go of Zeitler. And I think that at this point, it's all nickel and diming in order for us to get the best amount of money possible. So I think Zeitler getting cut might have been probably the best thing for us. I know that he was a really great guard, but my argument there is the fact that Guards can be replaceable, and they also come fairly cheap. So the fact that we were able to clean up this much cap space is very beneficial to us um, just overall because we have a lot of things that we need to work on. We have a lot of things that we need to obtain, pay. Everything is all about the money at this point. So I think that, you know, again, maybe he was a, you know, he was a pretty good guard for us, but he was getting up there in age. So I think that this was the best thing that we could have done. Hank, what do you think about Kevin? Yeah, I was going to say, I think I think this was a situation for the Giants where it was you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Basically, I think you could make the argument that he was probably the best of our offensive linemen this year, and I do think it's a big loss. I'm not going to lie. Let's not kid ourselves here. But with that having been said, I don't. it's not like I don't understand the move at all. This is a big salary cap move, and – we need to really get better in terms of the salary cap. So I totally get it. And Sam, I think you're pretty much right. He, he's definitely somebody that they can replace. I'm just not comfortable replacing him with who we have on our current roster. So I think they definitely have to go think a little bit outside the box and trying to find a way to replace him, basically. Absolutely, guys. I, my take's going to be a little different. So I agree with both of you that this move should be should have been a expected because the Giants were today they were over eight million in cap. Now this move puts us over three million under and Zeitler carried a 14 and a half million dollar cap hit in 2021. While I understand this move saves us 12 million in cap, we do absorb two and a half million of that in dead money. Now that's not my problem. I get it. Now he's the third highest paid guard in football and he he was one of the better pass blockers in the league. So I'm the type of person that can look past a player's age. But when the Giants got Zeitler, so he came here in 2019. He was a part of that Olivier Vernon trade. Mm. I'm concerned because of what we have on our roster to replace. And I, I agree with you. It's, he, it's definitely a replaceable position where you can get somebody for cheaper. Here's my problem. Shane Lemieux did not impress me in 2020. He was the worst pass blocking guard in the league. Uh, Will Hernandez got benched for Shane Lemieux, who ended up starting nine games at left guard. So essentially we may have to replace both guard positions. It might not just be one where if Will Hernandez isn't the answer at left guard, Shane Lemieux, I don't trust him. And here's where I dive into the analytics a little bit. In 2020, Zeitler had just over a thousand snaps, 1,003 snaps. And he only had 28 pressures allowed, giving up two sacks. All the other Giants guards 
had 1,029 snaps and 50 pressures allowed. Not to mention, Zeitler also had an 88.7 pass block win rate. That was 23rd among all 64 starting guards. I don't know how you replace this guy. I agree that you can't afford to keep him for that $14.5 million cap hit. However, they should have made a bigger effort to restructure him and get him down to about eight to nine million and part ways with guys like Nate Solar and Spencer Pulley before Kevin Zeitler, where I think if you look at the math, Solder and Pulley combined would have saved about nine million dollars. And if you restructure Kevin Zeitler for about eight to nine million, then you're saving an additional three to four million guys. The problem is he may have not wanted to take a pay cut. Yeah, no, I think yeah, that's really true. important because uh, the thing is here, I don't think that at least Solder is going to be around. I really think that they're going to get rid of him. So I think that what they're thinking of is trying to get the most bang for their buck. And I know Gettleman is not a fan of restructuring anyway. So I think that in his mind, he was like, well, if we let this guy go and let this guy go, now all of a sudden we have $20 million. So I think that, you know, that's over-exaggerating, but you know what I mean. I just, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I think that at this point in time, it is like they're coming down to the wire, especially with free agency coming up in less than a week at this point, like we're just about a week. And they're like, okay, we need to get as much money as humanly possible in order to have the, the funds to pick up someone in free agency, which, you know, we will talk about a little bit later in the show, but I really just think that at this point, they're almost like desperate for money. So unfortunately they didn't want to sit down and restructure Zeitler because they knew just getting rid of him would just cost them $12 million and they would get that money automatically. Yeah, and I think the other thing is Gettleman historically doesn't like to restructure guys too. So that, right. that's like another thing that kind of factored in with me knowing that his departure was pretty much going to be inevitable, basically. Now, I, I want to ask you guys this. And now, you know, this isn't me disagreeing with either of you. I agree. We are. I mean, we don't want to have to nickel and dime ourselves here. This is a pandemic-struck year where we thought the cap would be $15 million higher than uh, – what it was in 2019, but that's not the case. It's 15 million lower. So the cap was set today for the 2021 season at 182.5 million. That is over 15 million less than last year. Now, my question is this, if you're Kevin Zeitler, not if you're the Giants, if you're Kevin Zeitler, would taking a pay cut or an extension in New York have been your best interest? Because now you're going to have to relocate your family. You're probably going to be playing for less than you would have gotten on a pay cut from the Giants. What do you guys think about it from Kevin Zeitler's angle, if you're him? Yeah, I think you probably would have. I think it probably would have, because, like, why uproot your family like that, especially given the current times that we're in now? And, you know, he could potentially be a part of a team that, like, you know, could be on the rise, too. That's another thing to think about. So, yeah, it, that's a really good point. I think he might have been better off keep taking a little bit less money, especially since maybe he could have gotten, like, even less had he, like, left the Giants. But, you know, again, who knows? It's it's a tough situation, and like I said, this is why I often call the salary cap a necessary evil. 
Yeah, I, I definitely, I, I agree with what you're saying. And, but like, the thing is, like, we don't really know what goes on behind closed doors. Maybe Zeitler refused to restructure his contract. Maybe he, like, really just was like, no, I'm not doing it. Like, we don't really know. Or if it was just Gettleman just straight up, like, hey, we're not restructuring you. We're just going to get rid of you. It, it's all, you know, we don't really know what goes on and how these guys react to certain things. So, I mean, yeah, he's going to end up somewhere else and he's going to have less money. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's the player and the GM is the GM. So at the end of the day, while he can give his opinion on things and give his, you know, what he wants to do, it's Gettleman at the end of the day making the decision. And one really important thing, Sam, that you kind of just touched upon was Dave Gettleman said yesterday in his press conference, we have a young offensive line. Kevin Zeitler is not a young player. He turned 31, I believe, on Monday. So he's an older player that's north Mm -hmm. of 30 now. Uh, My argument is more I don't feel comfortable with Lemieux and Hernandez. I totally understand that from a cat perspective. Yeah, you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. What the media tells you is not necessarily what the Giants are thinking. The Giants are really good at telling the media Mm -hmm. one thing but then doing a completely different thing that we don't expect. That's an ongoing omen. But That has been proven many times, yes. Kevin Zeitler was a great player for us, an excellent pass blocker, and I wish him nothing but the best. And with that, uh, we'll get to some comments here. Jamie Comstock, more Sam. (laughs) (laughs) Andy Hopper. We all knew that was coming. Yeah. (laughs) Hi, Andy. You don't get as fun as a reaction as Hank's mom does. Sorry, Andy. <laughs> I think Andy's on vacation right now, right? He's in uh, – where, where is he? Net? No, he's in Florida. Florida. Andy, what's up? How's it going? After the show, I'm going to have another beer in your honor. I would love nothing more than to be on a beach right now. Adam Rothschild says maybe he's hoping the Jets will sign him. They have cap space. Interesting. The That's Jets are top three. Are you really sure, though, you want to go from a really good culture like the Giants to the Jets? That's the thing. Well, to be fair, they're, they're, they have a whole new dynamic over there right now. I mean, look, I'm not disputing that, but Giants, Jets, think about it. You know, you know where I'm going with this. I, don't know, I just think that Salah is going to change that team completely. I know that's the wrong New York team to be talking about right now, but... Fair. Look, I mean, I, I hope... For their sake, he does. But, okay, I'm not even going to get into that franchise. Let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, if you're just joining us now, hope you guys like the new background too, by the way. Kind of made this with our new feature here in our graphic. Um, We do have Leonard and Dalvin in the middle, but uh, it's been been a crazy couple of weeks for us, uh, hoping to get this excellent off-season show for you guys. And a couple of potential replacements for – uh, Kevin Zeitler we'll talk about later on, but let's move on. Let's talk about Leonard Williams, who was franchise tagged yesterday, a move that all of us, I think we saw coming. Uh, the Giants expected to get a deal done and make that their top priority this offseason. So they franchise tagged them for 19.35 was the exact amount. Uh, and I think that Leonard Williams last year, really proved it to us playing on the franchise tag, which was $16 million at the time, why Dave Gettleman invested in him, why he was worth 
the third round pick that they got in exchange for him. And some people don't like that they franchise tag Leonard Williams, but a lot of these people are the same people that didn't want him to be traded to the Giants in the first place. So, Sam, I'll start with you. What do you think about Leonard Williams and this franchise tag? And do you think it could be uh, transitioned into a long-term deal in the coming weeks? Yeah. Uh, I just want to say really quick that Giants Twitter is like a free-for-all. People just spew <laughs> out whatever they want. Like, it is ridiculous. To be honest, I am one of those people that was thrilled to see Leonard Williams get franchise tagged because they explained, they definitely explained it to him like, listen, this is the financial situation that we're in, but we don't want to lose you. And he probably understood that. I just saw a video of him in swimming in Puerto Rico right now. Like he doesn't have a care in the world. He knows he's going to get paid. And the thing is that this is just a placeholder. This is going to take, this is just for this year. And then I do believe that this entire franchise tag will eventually turn into a long-term deal, which would be great. I love having Leo on our team. I think it's, I think he's fantastic. So I definitely think that this franchise tag is going to turn into a long-term deal. And the fact that $19 million is nothing to like wave your hat at. Like that is probably the best case scenario that he could be in right now. You're making a good chunk of money. And obviously it's going to hold you over until next season. And the fact that this is the financial situation that we're in right now with not just the Giants. This is so many teams right now. I think we're in a better position than a lot of other teams in the league. There are teams that are in the negatives right now. So I think that he understands that. He understands what kind of situation we're in with the money and that next year this will evolve into something more long-term. First of all, to piggyback off on your comments, Sam, I agree. I can't stand Giants Twitter. It's the worst. Second of all, I also would happen to agree. I think that <laughs> I I'm, I was pretty thrilled too when Leonard Williams stayed. I think he's a big part of our defense, and especially the way he's been productive this year. I think he real if he really proves himself this year, I, maybe it's not necessarily this offseason, but later on, it could definitely turn into a big payday for him. And yeah, I think the Giants are also kind of telling him, "Look, we want to see another big year out of you. We don't. We want to make sure 2020 was not a fluke." Right. And I'm you sure. know what? I don't think it was, to be honest, personally, because I really think, I really think being under Patrick Graham's scheme worked wonders for him this year. I really do, and I think let giving him a contract like that for like maybe next four or five years could really help him. No, absolutely. I mean, I think this is an excellent move by the Giants. You want to invest in Leonard Williams. Eleven and a half sacks is not easily replaced, and the Giants exactly. waited. The Giants waited until the last possible day to tag him. So they went and they they did it. Uh, not to mention, the Giants carry a $2.9 million uh, carryover from last year. So that gives us a total of $185.4 million to work with instead of the one eighty two point five. million. So while the, sal- the, while the salary cap may be $182.5, the Giants have – 185.4 to work with. Now, if last year was a typical year, we would have been looking at the 215 range where we probably still have Kevin Zeitler and we can probably afford to keep both Leonard Williams and Dalvin Tomlinson and still go out and add an additional piece or two to this roster. Now, uh, Leonard Williams, I think a long-term deal would be beneficial because 
the extension would make this year's salary 2021 less than 19.3 million which would help us save more cap and you what you can do is you can backload more guaranteed money to fit that 2021 salary and this is a guy that had 30 quarterback hits last year that was a career high 47 pressures 14 tackles for Lawson Sam and Hank we mentioned the 11 and a half sacks you can't replace that when was the last time a guy on the Giants had 11 and a half sacks in a season or more what was in it JPP Correct. I think 2014 or 15. Yeah. Marcus Golden Golden had 10 in 2019, actually. But other than him, it's more than more than Golden. Yeah, I think it is JPP. Marcus Golden, that completely slipped my mind. And I just want to mention really quick that in terms of money, the fact that JJ Watt got such a monstrous deal this year with that $31 million. I think that that means something for next year with Leonard mm-hmm. Williams, especially if he has an excellent year this year, including what he did this past season. I think that they can, he can get paid. You know, he's not a J.J. Watt name as the same as J.J. Watt is, but if he's got the talent, then he can definitely get a big chunk of change for his long-term deal that we're discussing. Oh, absolutely. I think it's going to be very interesting to monitor the Leonard Williams situation, but at least he's a New York Giant for 2021. If you want to go out and buy his jersey, folks, go do it. He's not going anywhere. Uh, not good. <laughs> but I'm happy he's a Giant. I'm definitely happy he's a Giant. Uh, and now we kind of dive into the press conference yesterday. And if you have any other questions on Leonard, folks, feel free to uh, ask us in the comments section. We'll be happy to take them. But Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman had a press conference yesterday with the media for the first time since the offseason started. Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge are kind of like Batman and Robin. And in my opinion, Dave Gettleman is the Robin to Joe Judge, where Joe Judge is kind of like the commander-in-chief. He comes in, he knows what he's going to say, and you feel really confident when you're listening to the guy. When Dave Gettleman comes along, (laughs) Throw out all your technology. Get out your pens and papers. This is 1964. No computers. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But let's start with Dave Gettleman now. Dave Gettleman hates restructuring contracts, and I understand why. It's not always the best idea. That was one of the key takeaways. And look, you know, I disagree with a couple of things that he said, but uh, there was one thing I didn't like. There was a reporter who. Uh, asked them a question about the offensive line where Dave Gettleman said, we're going to invest more in our younger offensive linemen. But then the reporter, I'm I'm not going to name the reporter's name, but came out and said, well, it's not young when you have Kevin Zeitler and Nate Solder, but Nate Solder didn't play in 2020. He's probably not part of the team's 2021 plans. And if you look at it right here, folks, the Giants' offensive line is very young. I'm going to show you guys the uh, the tweet that I made. I believe it was last night. Yeah. This is all you need to know because Cam Fleming is not coming back, so you can't really count him. And Matt Pert got a lot more time than he did in the second half of the year. Look at the average experience, including Solder and Zeitler, 3.75 years. That's young. Yeah. And you remove Zeitler and Solder from there, that drops to like what three point two five ish. You're probably right. 
Yeah, that's... I'm doing the math in my head, but take out the two nine years because, like you said, Solder didn't play last year, and we're probably not going to, you know, keep him around. Zeitler obviously just cut. The rest of these guys are very, you know, pulley. And you were even talking about pulley, maybe not, e- might not even come back. And at that point, he's the oldest with four years. Let's just for funsies take him out too. Now you have two rookies, three years, two years. One of them was injured. Like there's. They're so young. And like the fact that I think that that's good. I think that that's great, especially the fact that our offensive line is in that working process of moving forward. And we have new coaches and people there to deal with them like Pat Flaherty, which I'm really excited about. I know that we'll discuss that, but it's, it's a, it's a molding. Like they're a clay right now, instead of being just like a solid, this is our line. Like this is, you know, we have vets and they're going to stay. At this point in time, we're in a very moldable situation where we can deal with the offensive line and mold them into what is going to work for our offensive scheme. Jason Garrett, who just had his first year with us, again, still molding, still getting used to it. And it's going to kind of become this line that we can actually deal with. And Daniel Jones maybe will have a moment to throw the ball and make a play for once. Yeah, and I think you pretty much saw during the first half of the season, they were clearly having their own growing pains. They took some time to gel. I think they definitely improved late in the season, but I still think over the course of next year, we can maybe see some more improvement with that offensive line for sure. So let's get to the comments. And, Hank, I I do agree with what you're saying. Steve says, what's up, guys? Happy hump day. Thanks, Steve. (laughs) Do you think the Giants will go after any of these free agent wide receivers? Who wants to take this? Um, can, can I go? Yeah, go for it. Because I definitely – I have like a theory, I guess, not not like a conspiracy theory, but a lot of people are talking about Galladay right now, and he kind of seems to be the, the most um, desirable free wide receiver free agent on the market, which is great. Um, obviously with Allen Robinson getting the tag by the bears, which is, you know, a little bit upsetting because, you know, people were looking at him, but I really think Curtis Samuel is in the mix here for us. I don't know if we're going to get our cap up to be able to afford Galladay. He's been put throwing down deals like that are like 16 or $19 million. I don't know if we're going to be able to offer him that much. Curtis Samuel, I think is at an almost equal playing ground with Kenny Galladay, especially with Galladay's injuries. Curtis Samuel might come at a cheaper price for us. So I'm I'm kind of leaning towards him right now. Samuel's a Gettleman guy too, because I remember he was with the Panthers not too right. long ago. So I can I think your I think your theory kind of makes sense too. But with that having said, yeah, I'm kind of 50-50 on Galladay. Like I would love to have him on the team, obviously, but I know that would that could very well do a little bit of damage to the cap. So Yeah. I'm not sure, and I know they're probably going to be focusing on wide receivers in the first round anyways. So in response to Steve's comment, I'm going to take a very similar approach to both of you. Um, I don't see us getting Galladay because Robinson and Godwin both got tagged. So now Galladay is the number one receiver in the free agent market, and he's going to be very demanding, and there's a lot of more teams with a lot more cap space than we have that are going to be able to throw more money at him, for instance the Dolphins, the Colts. I I guess you can throw the Jets in there too. So it's going to be interesting to see where he lands, but I don't think it will be in blue. 
any interest in Will Fuller or too injury prone. I don't think Will Fuller is a good part of what the of what the Giants are trying to build as a culture. I, I know he has off the field issues, which the Giants mm-hmm. don't tolerate uh, under any circumstances. And we kind of touched upon this last night when I was guesting on the sports box with Brian Attard and uh, Mike Galetta. There's no chance the Giants go out and get Will Fuller. I think you're looking at more of a Curtis Samuel, like Hank said, or a Corey Davis as well from Tennessee, a number two guy. Uh, Curtis Samuel would be ideal because Gettleman drafted him. He plays in the slot. People mistaken Sterling Shepard as a slot receiver. Shepard has not played the slot since his rookie year. Shepard's been an outside receiver for the most part since his rookie year. And I think that's where he should stay. I mean, you can move him back into the slot. He's had success there. But I think if the Giants target any wide receiver, it's either going to be a guy like Curtis Samuel, Corey Davis, or potentially even a Josh Reynolds, a tall red zone threat. I think the Giants' number one receiver will come in the draft. But that's just me. Uh, Thank you for the question, Steve. Keep them coming, folks. Really appreciate it. Share, share, share with all your friends. We got a lot in store. We're going to be here taking your questions and everything. But so back to this Gettleman press conference, I want to talk about a little different aspect of the offensive line. Sam, Matt Pert out of UConn was our third round pick this year. And Gettleman said that he's confident in him starting at right tackle. Now, I think the O-line can take a huge step forward with Matt Pert at right tackle if Jason Garrett's philosophy changes because we saw this year they didn't stretch the field enough. They need to run more vertical concepts, and what that does is teams won't likely blitz at such a high rate because I believe it was the Baltimore game. There were like three plays in a row where Matt Pert was just letting guys lie by him at right tackle. So I'm a little concerned, but I think he can handle it if the philosophy changes offensively. Yeah, I'm I'm not as afraid. I know that like, you know, maybe because he's kind of new to it and like that that's probably part of the reason is being a rookie and, and having those kind of jitters. But that's part of the reason why I don't think Solders coming back is because um they seem so confident in having Hart come in and, and be this guy. But he is a huge human being. I, I did not realize how big he was. He is 6'7", 320 pounds. Like, terrifying. So to have, like, an anchor like that at the edge of the line, I think is something really good. I also read somewhere that he has some problem distributing his weight, like, when he tackles. So that's totally fixable. That's an off-season thing that you deal with, that you focus in on the guy and go, this is what you're doing wrong. And you fix it. So I'm not as um, I'm not as scared about it. I really think that he can develop in the offseason, get a little bit more reps in, get a little bit more experience with everything, and put him there. And if they're confident in him, then I think that I'm pretty confident in him as well. And like I said, he is a huge human being, so he could take down anybody. Good kid, too. Local kid. Uh, went to mm-hmm. Connecticut for college. And I think he is a developmental prospect who's going to flourish in year number two. And we'll see if Nate Solder gets cut in the next coming days. But if he does, that pretty much confirms everything that we need to know, which leads into this next comment from Kevin Mondello. 
do you think the Giants should draft a tackle in the first or second round? Uh, no, because we drafted a tackle in the first round and third round last year. Like we were kind of just discussing, Hank, w- what do you think? Yeah, no, I think I think maybe you want to – if you're going to take a tackle, I would probably wait till later. There's other areas we kind of focus – kind of need to focus on yeah no 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 that's a if if they do that i will just turn the draft off no i I can't (laughs) i'd be like no i'm good thanks um i just wanted to mention one more thing about matt hurt and it was that i was reading another article about him and it said that at one point andrew thomas was benched um, for the giants due to some you know something he did i don't even remember what it was but they put matt pert in there and he kind of was part of blocking that ended up being a field goal for us that won our 19, I mean, our 20 to 19 win over Washington, which was Joe Judge's first win. So, you know, maybe he was a little nervous. Maybe he's a little bit more, you know, um, you know, being a rookie, making rookie mistakes. But for that in a game time, you know, thing where he needed to do what he needed to do, he was able to do it. And we ended up winning the game, even if it was by one point. But a win is a win. So I just wanted to add that on. I remember I that, that game, too. The game that, I think that was the game that Andrew Thomas missed, uh, was late to a practice. That's why he got Was that it? Yeah. Yeah, I thought it yeah, was Yeah, Joe Judge the tight ship. You knew that. You knew he was going to discipline him for something like that. And to his credit, he bounced back after that game. Mm-hmm. Steve Ellis. What's up, Steve? Solder should be cut. Yep. Yes, yep. he should be cut. Yeah, should be cut because that would save us an additional six million. However, when will he get cut? Is more of the question. Will he get cut before June first or after June first? Because if the Giants feel that they can create enough cap space for free agency, then you should wait until June first to cut Nate Solder. Because if you wait till June first, then you free up ten million, and what you can do is allocate that money towards signing your draft picks. Yep. So I, I agree with you, Steve, but I think, and I'll, I'll be honest, uh, I think they should wait until June 1st to cut him until they get more of an idea on where his head's at. Because Joe Judge mentioned in the press conference yesterday, the dialogue with Nate has been more of, hey, how's it going? How's your family doing? There hasn't been much football talk involved with Nate. So I don't think he's going to get cut for a little while, but that's just my opinion. I think he's going to be a giant for at least another month or so. So I think we're, we're going to have to see what happens as we get further down the stretch. He's either going to, okay, let me correct myself. He should either get cut this week or after June 1st, because a month from now, free agency will more than likely be done for majority of those top players. The the way I'm thinking is the Giants waited a lot last year to sign free agents. So a month from now would be April 10th. It wouldn't be too far-fetched for the Giants to snag somebody then knowing them. So thanks no, a lot. I agree with you. I totally agree with you. I think that, if again, if unless we're making the money available for free agency, just wait until June 1st because that gives us an extra $4 million. So just to reiterate what you're saying, I completely agree. Yeah, I can't. I can't say I disagree with either one of either of your points. They probably would be better off waiting. I don't. It's not like it's not like there's really anything that would come out if he if they like did it now or whatnot. Yeah. Um, another thing too, I think that's really that's really important to take away from the press conference yesterday on the Joe Judge side. Now, as we're shifting from Gettleman to judges, 
he really likes Evan Ingram. He really, really likes him. And this makes Sam really, really mad. Right, Sam? I don't like that. <laughs> Why? I, I wish like I I under I was kind of in his brain because I do trust Joe Judge. I trust his judgment. And I think that it's, you know, he, he has a you know a coach's mindset where like he could see things that maybe some of us don't see, which is fair, but what did you see last year that we're not seeing? I mean, I saw Evan Ingram cost us like 60 points in the entire season. I saw Evan Ingram dropping game time balls. Definitely, The one that reverberates in my brain is that Giants-Eagles Thursday night football game where he dropped that massive pass at the end of the game where we would have won, and instead I was sitting on the floor just in shambles because he missed that. So I don't know what Joe Judge actually sees in him. I'm all for, you know, getting some brand new tight ends in general. And we'll get into, you know, the other tight end that uh, was restructured later. But I just, I, I don't know. I wish I understood because it definitely has something to do with Judge's mindset, but I just don't know what it is. Okay. Maybe, just maybe, I'm willing to give Joe Judge the benefit of the doubt because we know he's done a good job this past season. And we know that maybe, just maybe, we know he sees that he is a very athletic tight end who can make really insane catches. But, yeah, who who's kidding who? You know how, you, know, you guys know damn well how I feel about it. I, I, I'm ready to move on from him. If he comes out next season and just beasts out, I'll be like, okay, I get it. We wanted to keep him around because we knew how to fix him. But if he doesn't, then I'm just going to be like, we just need to get rid of pro ball tight end Evan Ingram. Uh, let me um, rephrase that. One uh, one or two touchdown pro ball tight end Evan Ingram. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Sam. You know I had to. <laughs> one touchdown. Uh, yeah, one touchdown. That sounds about right. I, I know, I know. Kyle Pitts is a guy that a lot of Giants fans are high on. I, I know all all three of us are high on him. But this mm-hmm. press conference and the restructure of Levine Toilolo pretty much confirms to me that Pitts may not be in the cards. However, we don't know that for sure. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. And then one other thing on Joe Judge is that he really wants to keep Dalvin Tomlinson from the dialogue that. He's spoken, but it's been reported that Dalvin Tomlinson is going to come down to the uh, financial forecast of the offseason. And right now it's not looking like Dalvin Tomlinson is being retained. And I think we've detected this since midseason. Mm-hmm. Actually, Tom, I'm pretty sure I feel like, Tom, you and I kind of saw this coming like even before that. No. Yeah, I agree 100 percent. And. Uh, speaking of Dallin Tomlinson, we have a comment on Leonard Williams from Steve again. What's your take on tagging, big cat, good or bad moves? So so we actually just talked about this a couple minutes ago, but um, I'll definitely answer the question again. Um, I think tagging Leonard Williams is a good move because it's the first step towards a long-term extension. And what that'll do is that'll backload some of the cap hit from this year into, into the next couple of years. So when we extend him, because I don't think it's an if question, I think it's a when, uh, Leonard Williams will be less than a 19.3 cap hit heading into this year. Also, 11 and a half sacks are really tough to replace. But is there anything either of you wanted to add on that? No, um, I think we pretty much covered everything. Did did we not? 
Well, I, I think that just to like segue into the fact that we were just talking about tight ends and Leonard Williams. Yeah. Um, I am very confused as to why we restructured Toy Lolo's deal because he's a blocking tight end. And then we tagged Williams because to me, tagging a great defensive player is a great idea. And then restructuring a tight end that just blocks doesn't really make any sense to me. So tagging Leonard Williams, good. Restructuring Levine Toilolo, bad. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a great point. I didn't really I didn't really get that either. Toilolo is like a guy we only really see blocking. Like Yeah. I don't Again, I've tried to get, get into Gettleman's head a long time and a long time ago I realized it's it's not really it's not really humanly possible to do so. It's a scary place in there. Here's my opinion on Toy Toy Lolo before we get to Rudolph. So I don't like it either. I think this was the most head scratching move that he made, in my opinion. Two years, six point two million for a third string tight end who plays twenty seven percent of the snaps and caught five passes. However, let's look at it this way. This is me trying to think like Dave Gellman here for a second. With the way the Giants ran their offense this year, they used a lot of tight ends. There were a lot of three tight end sets, and that was very important. And I think the restructuring of Toy Lolo, now I'm not defending the contract, but we did restructure him where he took a pay cut of over $1 million. So now he'll make $1.6 million with only 650000 guaranteed. So the Giants saved $1.35 million with that restructure. So realistically speaking, if the contract was any more than this, I would be clawing at the TV screen right now or the computer screen. But the mm-hmm. fact that they were able to get it down to at least 1.6 with the way the Giants run their offense, I'm not necessarily hateful on Dave Gettleman for doing this. I don't like it, but I understand where he's coming from because realistically speaking, guys, Levine Toilolo is a blocking tight end. He's 29 years old, and realistically, he was a pretty good force on special teams too. Joe Judge likes versatile players, and he did some good things for them on special teams, but I think they should have kept him if they were going to keep him at under $1 million because Caden Smith is making under $1 million. He, Levine Toilolo should also be making under $1 million. I see why they kept them, but not at that price. Yeah, right. I agree. Right. Um, why wouldn't the Giants look into a guy like Kyle Rudolph? Um, older player. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think he's an upgrade over Evan Ingram at this point because um, I, I think the argument would be more Rudolph is an upgrade over Caden Smith or Levine Toilolo. I think – Rudolph's going to cost a lot more money, uh, and I, I, I just don't see that as a good move for the Giants, in my opinion, Steve. I just don't see them taking Rudolph. Too expensive. Yeah, Andy, Andy agrees. Old and expensive. Yeah. You got it, Andy. Can't argue with that. Old and expensive. He'll never figure out Gettleman. You're right. No. I'm right. And Andy brings up a very interesting point here. Blocking tight ends are incredibly underappreciated in the NFL. I do agree with that. Very true. Very fair. And I think that we can even make the argument that until the end of the season, 
Rob Gronkowski was a blocking tight end for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers until they started kind of getting him back into what he was before. I'm just a little upset about the fact that we had a blocking tight end plus tagging a Leonard Williams just didn't really make sense to me. But I think blocking tight ends are extremely underappreciated. I think that they're someone that nobody talks about and nobody really is just like, you know, oh, it's just another guy pushing another guy to, to make room for someone. But, you know, tight ends can be targeted. Tight ends could be star players. Levine Toilolo could be a, a George Kittle, you know, like these guys could be amazing and, and big and yeah, like it could they, tight ends can be stars and make also a lot of money, but blocking tight ends are those bigger guys that take a pay cut, like Toy Lolo, even though it definitely should have been yep. lower. But yeah. There's one other yeah. tight end who I think is really underappreciated, but I think low key he's been one of the best over the past like five, six years. Travis Kelsey. Paul Lombardi. <laughs> yeah, Paul Lombardi, if you're watching this, I know you'll appreciate me saying that, buddy. Let's uh, talk about the Giants cap space, as Andy is asking us. Um, He's asking, what do the Giants do with all this extra cap space? What move comes next? Uh, It's not extra. This is what we got, Andy. This is what we got right now. So the Giants released wide receiver Golden Tate and linebacker David Mayo last week, a week ago tonight on March 3rd. The Tate release saved us $6.2 million. David Mayo, uh, that release saved us, saved us $2.3 million. And Mayo I definitely saw coming because if you have a seventh-round rookie eating up into your snaps for maybe a third of the price, as Hank would say, he gone. <laughs> Actually, I got that phrase from Ken Harrelson. For those of you who are baseball fans, you probably know who that is. But, yes, I do love saying that. And then Golden Tate. Golden Tate was one that I think everybody saw coming. I think this was more obvious than Zeitler, more obvious than Mayo. I think this is the most obvious one because they targeted him like once or twice every single game. Yeah, it was exhausting. It was exhausting to watch Tate sometimes because I was pretty excited when we signed him the first time and then the whole PED fertility thing happened. But – I think that I was a lot more excited to see Tate perform because we've seen him perform well other places, but he obviously just didn't fit into this scheme and it was just not where he was supposed to be. And he never really felt like a giant to me. Like someone like, you know, Daniel Jones, who's still new, feels like a giant to me. Golden Tate just kind of felt like he was kind of getting blown in with the wind and that eventually was going to get blown out. So I'm... I'm kind of happy just because of the fact that that frees up that wide receiver slot that we so desperately need. But losing Tate really didn't didn't make me shed a tear at all. I'm going to be honest. I was never really on board with the Golden Tate signing. And here's why. Like, okay, you wanted to get rid of Odell Beckham. Fair. Fine. Totally agree with that move. We all know the guy's a head case. If you don't, you've obviously been living under a rock. But to replace him with somebody who's, like, entering his 30s that – no, I, I I didn't I didn't really see the logic behind that sign, if I'm being honest. But yet, somehow, even as I said that, he technically did have better production than Odell Beckham, if you can believe that. Tate, like, he had like more touchdowns despite playing the same amount of games over the past few years. Yep, they each played 23 games. Tate had more touchdowns than Odell. Uh, 
yeah, that's that's insane to even think about. That being said, wow. I just I never saw the sense of spending all that money like that on a guy who was older. Like if you're in a rebuilding situation, that that doesn't really make sense. Yep. So it started with Tate and Mayo, and then Cody Core was released on Monday. Uh, also this, good. This move saved us two million. Cord missed the 2020 season with a torn ACL, but he was a reliable gunner in 2019. There's rumors they might re-sign him for a cheaper price, but I think releasing Cody Core was a good move. This is this is way too much money for somebody who's just a gunner. I know Joe Judge values special teams guys, but you could easily replace him in the draft. You, you could sign somebody cheaper off your practice squad, promote him over the offseason. We have guys in our practice squad too. I think this was a good move to clear up an easy $2 million. Yeah, I 100% agree. Like like you said, easily replaceable. I mean, it, it's uh, he he did he was going to be able to do good things. I think that he would have done great if he didn't get hurt. But letting him go was the right move. And like I said, it's all about the money right now. So if letting him go means that we get an extra $2 million, then I'm for it. Yeah. yeah. So Tate, Mayo, Core, Toilolo got the restructure. That saved us another 1.3. And then we cut Zeitler today and put the tag on Leonard Williams. So that's what the Giants have done so far, folks. And before we talk about the offensive line, actually, here we go. Andy, why not shore up extra protection for Jones and open up the running game for Saquon? You think that we're not trying to do that, Andy? <laughs> We spent two. Sam, I mean, we talked about this earlier too. We spent two of our top three draft picks last year on tackles. On tackles. And to be fair, Andrew Thomas had a struggling, you know, when as he was coming into the league, but we saw him do fairly well towards the end of the season. So I think that structuring the offensive line, like we're going to talk about, is a very good thing. And the fact that this year. You know, we don't have an old offensive line. We have a fairly young offensive line, which says that, you know, having young guys makes it harder because they're still learning. You know, coming into the league and just becoming a star is not something that happens to everybody. So I think that, like I said earlier, this is a offensive line that's molding and hopefully we can actually give Daniel a chance and I'd love to see Saquon running up and down the field next year. I would love nothing more. It would boost my serotonin immensely. I wish I could have more faith in Gettleman, but his moves are definitely uh, head scratchers. Yes. Yes. I, I agree. There, there's some, I agree with some, I don't agree with others, but um, I, I, I was pro Gettleman for him to come back this year because he nailed the 2020 offseason, whether we like it or not. I think he had one bad draft pick this year. That was Chris Will- That was Chris Williamson, who's on the Falcons practice squad now. Other than that, I thought he did a pretty okay 2020 offseason. Um, <laughs> Steve forgot Tate was on the team. That's how irrelevant Tate was in 2020. <laughs> I mean, he did have a few clutch catches here and there, but yeah, you're right. He was pretty relevant. With that small amount of cap space of $3.2 million, Gettleman better draft well, but I'm probably asking too much. Uh, there, There's more on the way. The, the Giants are going to find a way to clear up some more space. You need at least 6 to $7 million for the draft. Now, we only have six draft picks, so we may not even need that much. Um, 
But yeah, overall, I, I think we'll be okay as far as the draft is concerned. The concern for me is more free agency. Can we free up an ample amount of space to make the additions that we need without releasing Nate Solder pre-June 1st? Okay. We might have to. We might not have a choice right. at the end of this week, early next week. We have until March 16th to make a decision on him if we're going to do it now or wait until June 1st. Like I said earlier, my opinion, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Right. So, Sam and Hank, we've been looking forward to talking about this all night. Dave Gettleman's been GM for three years now. First thing he did when he came here, he said, I want to construct hog mollies, an effective offensive line. Three to four years later, we are still talking about the offensive line. It makes <laughs> me absolutely sick talking about it right now. Physically ill that it takes bringing back Pat Flaherty as a senior offensive consultant to help fix this problem. You, you couldn't do it yourself, so you bring Pat Flaherty back, which, by the way, I love the move. I yeah. do. He was our O-line coach in the glory years. He came with Coughlin, and he left with Coughlin. He's an excellent – I mean, a former Giant player stated that he excels at breaking down tape, which he did. I mean, look what he did with Rich Rich Soybert, Sean O'Hara, Chris Snee, Kareem McKenzie, and even David Deal, those guys. Uh this offense finished 31st in scoring last year, and it all starts with improving in the trenches up front. But, Sam, I know you really like this Pat Flaherty signing, and I, I kind of want you to break it down, your, your thoughts for us here. Yeah, I think that this is a great, um, a great pickup for us, mostly because I know that Flaherty knows what he's doing, and he also knows – like, we also know that there is a very – good chance unless some drastic thing happens that he's not going to go anywhere which I think at this point in time for our our offensive line what's important is the consistency of having someone around like last year we you know Joe Judge ended up firing uh, Mark Colombo in the middle of the season bringing Googs like it it, it's it's a they they really were a little unsure what's going on you know it's weird it's almost like you know being in a classroom and having a teacher and knowing what the teacher is teaching and then a sub comes in and you like have no idea what they're talking about because they teach in a completely different way. So I think that the consistency there is going to be good. And the fact that Flaherty knows what he's doing is really important. And he brought us two Super Bowls. Like, and like you were talking about, I miss Sean O'Hara so much. I loved Sean O'Hara. So having someone like this on our coaching staff is going to be really great. It's going to keep the consistency, especially for this young offensive line, and it's, I think that it's going to be really great and that this is the start of what's actually going to keep Gettleman's promise of making a better offensive line, even though it has been several years at this point. Only Illini legend David Deal. I agree with everything that you said, Sam. I like the Pat Flaherty uh, addition a lot, and he's also going to help coach the defense as well. He's going to be a senior consultant for the offense and the defense we learned at the press conference yesterday. Uh, Hank, Andrew Thomas, as we kind of dive more to the offensive line now, because we have a a boatload of comments in the comments section about Andrew Thomas right now, Uh, one from Steve. Thomas did play much better throughout the season, and Thomas should be okay from Robert Rose learning experience. Mm -hmm. Yes, Dr. Rose, I definitely agree with that for sure. He 
first half of the season, we kind of saw him, Colombo didn't really, he and Colombo didn't necessarily gel basically, but I think Joe judge pretty much knew he was talented all along. And I, I there's a reason why I called his performance in the second half, the Joe judge effect. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he, he only allowed like what two or three sacks. Like there there was like, what, a five, six-game stretch where he only allowed a few sacks? That tells you all you need to know about how much he improved. So, and, I think, and I agree. I think he definitely will be better in year two. If we look at the numbers here, weeks one through eight, Thomas allowed 30 quarterback hurries and 39 pressures. Weeks nine through 17, only nine quarterback hurries and 18 quarterback pressures allowed. So he caught the amount of pressures he allowed in the second half of the season in half, and he went from 30 QB hurries in the first half of the season to just nine in the second half of the season. And a lot of that is, I think, scheme and familiarity with the offense. I think as much as we have bashed Shane Lemieux, he played better when Lemieux was next to him rather than Hernandez. Right. I mean, correct me if you guys think I'm wrong here, but I think it's a combination of Judge, Googs, Thomas himself getting yeah. better, Garrett, and Shane Lemieux. Guys, I mean, he stepped in. He wasn't anything special, but the line performed better as a unit when he was in there. Also, I want to show show up one of Andy's comments. Yeah. <laughs> the first line. What would he like the first giant to reach the end zone since what, like the Eisenhower administration? I <laughs> <laughs> started to see a bit of a mean streak for Thomas, which was good to see. Yep. Think about the dudes these rookie O linemen are used to seeing in college, not the same as these dudes they are lining up against in the NFL. It takes an adjustment period. And Andy's 100% correct. Yes. Yeah, 100 You've been on fire in the comments today, buddy. He has. And yeah. let's, let's put this into perspective. Andrew Thomas, week one, TJ Watt. Week two, Khalil Mack. Yeah. Week three, I don't know if Nick Bosa was out yet. Uh, he might have been at that point, but I he still he had – Yeah, I think you're right. He still had – Um. Uh, he had a Reek Armstead for San Francisco. Not easy to go up against at all. Um, I thought he handled his own second half of the season, so – I think we're going to see a really good year, too, for Andrew Thomas. Adjustment period is the best way to put it. It really is. It's really – like, it's not the same. Pro football and college football are two very different sports. Yeah, 100%. And I was going to use this analogy just a moment ago, but it just popped back into my head, folks. Andrew Thomas went from blocking 18- to 19-year-old players, which, by the way, Andrew Thomas wasn't just a rookie. He was a younger rookie. He was 21 when – his rookie season started back in September. That's young for a rookie. Most rookies are usually 22, 23, mm-hmm. although now the age has dipped a little bit, especially at skills at skill positions. Thomas is going up against 28, 29-year-old edge rushers that are yeah. six to seven years more experienced than him. So, By the way, um, speaking of offensive line, I want to bring up another question that Dr. Rose has. What do we, what do we think of Hernandez? I that's a good question. I it's it's brutal. I I would have I think after the second half I was kind of hoping to see him more, but I'm I'm kind of iffy on him to be honest. How about you, Tom? 
Will Hernandez was a second round pick in 2018. So it was yeah. Gettleman's second draft pick after Barkley. Um, at the time, he was regarded to be a steal. If you guys yeah, remember, that's he right. was the guy everybody was talking about. They were saying that was their best pick of the draft, even over Barkley, which is insane to even think about. But it was where they got him that made people think that. Now, to get benched for Shane Lemieux, a rookie fifth rounder who got nine starts over you, that's a problem. I think Hernandez is probably going to start at left guard in 2021, though. I don't I don't necessarily think Lemieux is going to beat him out. I think Lemieux is going to be in a competition for both guard spots, but I don't think he's going to win either guard spot in 2021. But, Sam, what do you think about uh, Will? No, I, I was going to say what you were going to say is that it was going to be Lemieux and Hernandez battling it out this offseason because it, the fact that he was benched for him, it, it just says something that they saw that Lemieux – basically when you get benched and someone else gets put in, that means that they think that that other person is going to perform better. So I, I, I do think that Hernandez will pro- – I mean, that's probably going to fuel his fire a bit, right? Like seeing that he was benched is going to make him want to be better. So – I think that Hernandez will end up winning, but I'm sure Lemieux will give him a run for his money in in the off-season camps and stuff like that. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, We talk talk about the line. There's going to be a lot of changes there. Uh, New offensive line coach and Rob Sale. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Another ball assistant coach for the Giants. Um, Derek Dooley takes over as tight ends coach as Freddie Kitchens gets promoted to senior offensive assistant. Freddie Kitchens did a really good job uh, stepping up for Garrett last year in the Cleveland game. Although they didn't score many points, the philosophy he had in that game was nice, and it kept the Giants around. Remember, uh, Colt McCoy did start that game. So that was interesting to uh, observe that Freddie Kitchens got a promotion. And then, of course, Nate Solder uh, announcing. I know we talked about him before, but we have more, more comments here on Solder. Wants to return in 2021. He met with the team. They're going to start talking about either restructuring him or getting cut. So Rob Rose, yes, believes Solder is gone. Now, my my question to you two is this, and I'll start with you, Sam. Uh, do you think he has a shot to start at right tackle if they keep him? I know you mentioned before that you were very high on Matt Pert, but do you think Solder is going to provide some competition if he does stay? I'm sure that there will be competition there, but the fact that Solder didn't play at all last year and – it's to take a whole year off of of football. I mean, I'm sure that he probably kept in shape and did what he had to do, but to not play a season of football is detrimental to your physical. Like you, you just aren't going to be the same player as you were two years ago. So I'm sure that there will be a bit competition. I'm kind of pulling for Matt Pert though. I would like to see him there and I'd like to see the improvement that I know that he can definitely make Solder. Uh, like you know, like we said earlier, he's probably going to be gone. But you know, maybe they might keep him around. Maybe to put the fire under Pert. Maybe they're going to be like, oh, maybe Solder's going to start before you, and it might make him try a little bit harder. And then they can see like his real potential there, and then end up getting rid of Solder altogether anyway. I think I like- there's a small outside possibility of that, but I would say it's very small. I don't see it happening. Giants yes, give Kyle Long. Yes. Mm-hmm. Why not? We, uh, honestly, <laughs> after today, we should. That's nothing against. By the way, that's nothing against Solder. I just think Matt Parrott has like 
the inside shot, getting that starting right tackle position. And both players are good guys too uh, on the field yeah. and off the field. I think Solder, you know, has gone through a lot, especially with his family, uh, with his That's son right. in, in particular. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, this is not, you know, we all love Nate Solder as a person, but as a fit for this team, business, this business decisions have to be made and Solder may not be in the future plans for, this team i believe he only played two years of his four-year deal that was a monstrosity of a deal four years 62 million i remember that like it was yesterday <laughs> okay. uh, i remember that too oh my god yeah all right what else do we got uh other cut candidates for the giants we have riley dixon big red who i doubt is going to get cut if anything no. i think they would restructure him a little bit uh, no yeah i know look <laughs> We amped him up a lot on our shows this year, but he actually had a down year. I think what happened was towards the second half of the season, he really wasn't good because he wasn't on the field that much, and that got him cold a little bit. And the special teams unit as a whole just didn't play well in the second half of the season. So I think that did have an effect on Riley Dixon, especially when Graham Gano was out with COVID during the uh, during the bye week when Gano tested positive. That affected Riley Dixon. Because ever since then, he just wasn't the same punter that he was in the first half of the season. I, I kind of quietly noticed that. But, uh, you know, I didn't just want to come out and say, like, he isn't playing well. Cause, I mean, I, he's my, I'll be honest with you guys, I'm a huge Riley Dixon fan. Uh, <laughs> he's a Syracuse guy. But we have to bring him back. I don't mind if it's at a lower price, though. If it helps us address our needs in free agency, then I'm for it. I just don't want to come. No, I don't yeah. want to cut him either. Spencer Pulley, they should have done it already. I don't know why they haven't. Uh, we signed the ex-Jet Harrison to a deal, center guard, utility guy. Pulley accounts for $2.75 million in savings if we do re- release him. I think Spencer Pulley has to go. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. It's just not worth it. Not worth it to keep him around. No. And Isaac Yadam's another interesting guy. I know we kind of, Hank and I had a little dialogue about Yadam, but Yadam stepped up big this year when Sam Beal opted out. Beal was supposed to be that number two corner, and he wasn't. Yadam was pretty good at times, but he has such a cheap contract that, I mean, you could restructure him. Again, I don't want to play too much with these numbers, though, because all these small contracts, if you do this, if you do this to too many guys, it adds up, and then next year you're sitting there, oh, well, we had all this cap to do this, and now we can't do it because we restructured all these deals the previous year. It adds up. Even these small guys, if you do it, like you restructure a $2 million deal to like, let's say, 500 k right? That counts against next year's cap. It's not all – It's right. the cap situation is really hard for me to wrap my head around, but – you can't just sit here and say, oh, restructure him, restructure that. It takes a lot of it, it takes a lot of thought, and you have to think years in advance when you're yeah. doing stuff. No, I agree. It's it's the the thing is that like money in the NFL is so almost like temperamental. Like you like kind of like can pick it up and put it over here, and then you turn around and then it's back again. Like you can't get rid of it. It's it's Oh, it, the thing is that, like, yeah, you can move it around, but you can't just, like, snap your fingers and get rid of it. It's going to go someplace else. So restructuring people's deals can be beneficial, 
But like you said, we have to think long term. You can't just start throwing all this money later on. And then all of a sudden now we're in the negatives one or two years from now. And then we have to do this all over again. I agree with you for sure. Um, a couple comments we missed earlier. Odell got hurt, though. How is that fair to compare? Because uh, they play the same amount of games, Andy. 23 games each the last two years. Uh, Saquon, most players are 15% less effective following ACL injuries. True. But I think they're going to pick up Barkley's fifth-year option. Uh, you typically want to do that before the fourth year starts. So I'm not really nervous about Saquon. I think Garrett in year two, he's going to be better. I think so too. I'm not, I'm really like excited to see Saquon come back because I have a feeling that he's going to come back and be like, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to get back into it and just like explode, especially if the offensive line gets better. I mean, I don't think that fear is necessarily off base, but yeah, I'm pretty excited too. Yeah. I agree. A couple other names we have to mention, uh, Dante Pettis and Elijah Penny. Those are smaller contracts. I don't think either of those are getting played with. Uh, one that we have to discuss, unfortunately, is Jabril Peppers. I don't even want to entertain this idea. Uh, Fireside Giants, if you don't follow them, you should on YouTube. Alex Wilson and Anthony Rivardo, those guys are really good. Uh, they interviewed Brian Walker today, who is a trainer for Jabril Peppers. And if you don't know, Jabril Peppers grew up in the North Jersey area, went to Don Bosco High School before transferring to, uh, to Paramus Catholic, and he led them to two championships in New Jersey. He was also a Heisman finalist while at Michigan. Wherever he went, he changed the culture. And he's kind of like the energizer bunny of the Giants' defense. As where guys like Bradbury and Blake are a little more quiet. Uh, I mean, Peppers is humble, but Bradbury is a little more quiet and to himself. Peppers is that guy that energizes everybody up, gets them ready to go on Sundays. He's very outspoken. We would save over six million if we cut him, but we better not. We we better we better not. No, I'd like to keep him around. I mean, I we I have not. I don't have any complaints about him really. I really don't, and I think that we got him on a great deal. I just. Yeah, I do think that Peppers has established himself between him and Bradbury. I'm just like, mm -hmm. I'm here for it. You know, I think that they're they that they do well and they mesh well together in terms of their game. I again, I don't have any issues with keeping Jabril, Jabril Peppers around. Well, not only that, but if you let him go, then then pretty much the whole Odell Beckham trade goes out the window. Right, right. Like, what was the point like, of all that if you can't even keep him? Yeah, Peppers was by far one of the the best things that came at, came to us from that trade. And I agree. He's been a very, he's definitely established himself as a main piece of secondary. There's no, no reason whatsoever. You should even think about getting rid of that guy. Yeah. That's definitely not a guy you want to play with. I think peppers is definitely uh, one of the main pieces of the secondary. I think him and Bradbury, but as far as like uh, big, like, when you think of the Giants, you think of these players. I think of Jabril Peppers before James Bradbury because, number one, he's a captain. Number two, he's been there longer, and he does so much for the team. He he, he helps recruit players because he's from the area. It's like, oh, if a, if a guy wants to know where to eat or whatnot, or, you know, or yeah. when new young players come to the team, especially in the secondary, Peppers can show them around because he's from the area. And I think he's a guy you want to have – and keep around, not just for those reasons, but he had a career high in sacks, tackles for loss. He he uh, 
he had a, a huge leap in tackles from 2019 as well. He had 91 tackles this year from a safety. Um, and that's not just because the linebackers and D-line couldn't tackle. Peppers played a lot of hybrid linebacker. He made a lot of tackles as that eighth man in the box. He stuffed a lot of running backs in the backfield. So I, I definitely want to keep him. This is a hot take. And Kyle, I'll get to your comment in just a minute. Peppers is definitely better than Landon Collins. Um, is it a little too early to say that, or do you I agree? Think, so, quickly, I think it's a little bit too soon to say that. I, and the reason why is because Peppers has an injury history with his back. He had it in high school. He had it in college. So I don't want to come out and say that just quick. I think uh, – you know, he's good, but I don't know if he's landing Collins good. He hasn't made a Pro Bowl for us yet from a safety position. Um, I think it is, Steve. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to have to disagree. I, I think it is. A, a, I mean, Hank and Sam, I want to hear what you guys think, too. Okay. Talk to me in about a year or two, then maybe I'll have a – then maybe I'll probably be able to agree with that comment, but – no, not quite yet. I think he's still got another year or two to go. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with the both of you. I, I There's not much to add in terms of that. I think that that is definitely a hot take. Hot, Very, very hot take. Steve, <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> Steve, Steve disagrees with us. It's okay. Hey, would you guys, since we've called him that, be able to call it a spicy hot take? And uh, uh, Steve, <laughs> thanks a lot for the comments, and I really appreciate it. Uh, keep them coming, folks. Keep them coming. We got Kyle Russo here. Evan Ingram is making $6 million, trading at a draft pick, especially due to the fact that the Giants only have six this year. Please. Kyle, Please. you are speaking my language, man. Like, I would love <laughs> nothing more than to get rid of that man. I would literally, if that happened, I'd be like, all right, pop the champagne. We're ready to go. I'm I'm here. We're good. <laughs> I would be happier than finding out that Leonard Williams got tagged. That would just I would, bring me so much joy. I'd probably be just as happy about that as I will be when the Yankees inevitably move on from Gary Sanchez. But you oh. – like Gary, he's another guy. He's in the same category as um, as Engram in terms of guys who I think are talented, but I'm starting to lose patience with. All right, that's fair. So, as nice as this sounds, Kyle, I do agree with you. I'd like for this to happen, but I don't think it will. No. Joe Judge loves uh, Evan Ingram. So does Dave Gettleman. They're not moving on from him yet. They they picked up his fifth year option for a reason. Uh, I think. He's going to play out his fifth-year option. They're going to see what he does in 2021. And the reason why I think about that, he's a good character guy. He's a leader in the locker room. Uh, look, he should have been – we drafted him to be a red zone threat, to be an electric tight end with speed. He's been everything but a red zone threat. He, he won touchdown in 2020. Like, are you kidding me? Uh, not good enough numbers. The, the drops really hurt us. Half of our quarterback's turnovers this year were on passes to Evan Ingram. I agree. It clears up six million. I'm getting yeah. like upset thinking about it. <laughs> Ingram could save us six million, but it won't happen. To paraphrase Josh from Drake and Josh, headaches. He gives me headaches. Kyle, <laughs> I really hope you're correct, though. And, yeah, uh, oh, that would be glorious. Steve says, "I respect your opinion." Stone hands Ingram. Nice. <laughs> Good enough to make the Pro Bowl. Uh, very true. Very true. 
I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why either. Um, other coaching news, and this is interesting, as we, we spend the last few minutes of the show here talking about uh, potential free agents. So the Giants add ex-Lions executive Kyle O'Brien to their front office as a senior personnel executive, and Drew Wilson will be the new assistant strength and conditioning coach. O'Brien has 19 years of NFL experience, guys. He really could give us the inside scoop on a guy like a Kenny Galladay. He was a part of drafting Galladay in Detroit, and it was rumored that the Giants actually tra- tried to trade for Galladay midseason. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. And obviously, Allen Robinson got tagged, but he was a part of drafting him in Jacksonville as well. Uh, also used to be a scout for the Patriots. So he does have that Patriots connection, which is uh, not uncommon. So I like this move. Uh, as far as the inside scoop with Galladay, I don't think it's going to help us sign him. Kyle O'Brien can't change our cap situation. I'm going to tell you guys that okay. much. <laughs> um, I don't think Galladay's coming here. Uh, I hate to toot my yeah. own horn there. I've been saying that for a while. You're right. You're, you're totally right. Yeah. But I do like o- having O'Brien on the, on the, uh, on the staff here and something that I found out that I, I don't know if you guys knew this, but his father was the giants doctor from 1993 to 2000, which I didn't know. Really? Found that out. Yeah. His, his dad. And I was like, Oh, I mean, obviously it's not like a big connection, but his dad was part of the giants organization in the nineties. So pretty exciting there. I know that he's also from long Island. So, you know, New York local still, and that's, Sam, that's what I know like that it's MetLife is New Jersey, but still. Sam, I got to say, I think this is the first time you've like both one-upped us with the fun fact. Good stuff. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> no, I'm proud of you. That's awesome. I feel like there's been one other time, but I, I, I might be wrong. No, uh, you probably have, but this not. is like the first time that like you've stumped both of us with the fun fact. I did. I did my research. I no, good stuff. People. I love it. I love when people um, bring me fun facts too that I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I like that too. Uh, O'Brien, his father, you said he was a doctor for the Giants in the '90s, yeah. so yeah, that's that's an interesting one. Definitely a connection there. And then Drew Wilson comes to the Giants after four years at the University of Colorado. He will replace Thomas Stallworth, who left the Giants after three years to become the Atlanta Falcons' strength and conditioning coach. So. Hopefully Drew has success here, but I want to dive into the UFAs that we have. There's three I want to talk about briefly, and the first one is Dalvin Tomlinson. And I I know uh, Kyle's been waiting for us to hit this one for a while. He doesn't think Dalvin Tomlinson is coming back. I agree. Dalvin's not coming back. And, Hank, I think you could vouch for me here. I I believe I brought this up around week eight or nine when we started to talk about it, that Dalvin's probably not coming back in 2021 with the way that Leonard Williams is playing and the way that Dalvin is playing, because both of their stocks are going really, really high. I think Dalvin's going to get a nice deal where he can make about 11 to $14 million yearly. You might've brought that up a bit earlier, but yes, I do. Nevertheless, I do agree with that point. I think given the fact that both of them were helping out in the defense, he kind of knew it was going to be one or the other can't really keep both, especially the way the salary cap is structured. And not to mention, as I often say, whenever we get to Dalvin Tomlinson and his free agency, the Giants historically, with regards to defensive tackles, they always let them go after the rookie contracts. 
Jonathan Hankins comes to mind. You might remember him from 2013. Linval Joseph comes to mind. Oh, what's that guy's name? I'm drawing a blank. Cornelius Griffin. Um, no, 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 not him. Cornelius Griffin's another one I was thinking of. Um, there's one I, other. It was Barry Cofield. Yes, thank you, Barry Cofield. Yep, that's that's the other one. Uh, it's been a lot, and the reason why that trend keeps going is because it's an easily replaced position. The Giants historically are good at drafting them, so. You could draft another one this year if if you want. Um, I wouldn't put it. I wouldn't say that's far fetched, Sam. I think defensive the tackle. Of DJ Hill and Dexter Lawrence. I think that kind of factors into it too. I was gonna say that too. Wasn't DJ Hill Gettleman's third round pick in 2018? So now he, he's entering yeah. his contract year as well. So he may get uh, time on the line because he was a backup last year. Behind, he was stuck behind Dexter, Leonard, and Dalvin Tomlinson. Now he's probably going to start on that line if Tomlinson doesn't come back, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. He's got to take a huge step forward. And then Dexter Lawrence, you spent your first round pick on in 2019. So, But my question now to you, Sam, is if they are to retain him, how would they do it? Dalvin? Yeah, how would they retain him? Because, I mean, we're at $3 million right now, and I think we'd just have to cut, like, all these guys we mentioned, like, immediately, yeah, including I'd Solder. Say, I would say Solder and Pulley both would need to go and then be – but the thing is that keeping Dalvin will cut into what we might need to get a free agent possibly. So I really don't – think it's possible unless you just got unless the Giants just don't care about free agency which I think would be a mistake I think it's very important to have the funds for free agency so to be honest I really don't think that there is a way to retain Dalvin um I I just don't see it happening I agree I don't think he's coming back I think it's a done deal yeah unfortunately uh how do you feel about Dexter Lawrence going forward uh, I'm high on him. Me too. Yeah. Me Sexy Dexy. I like having him <laughs> As Dave Gettleman would say, Dexter. 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 <laughs> or uh, what was the other one? Tay Crawford. Tay Crawford. <laughs> Instead of Crowder. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't and even he, know his name. He he forgot Carter Coughlin's name too. Carter Coughlin. Carter. Yeah. Carter. Um, yeah, interesting. So man does not know what the letter R is. I know. I mean, that's that's a Boston accent for you. Yeah. Um, I want to quickly talk about Kyler Fackrell, productive player who's 30 years old. He was signed on a one-year deal. Excellent scheme fit in Patrick Graham's system. There's a chance he could be replaced in the edge rusher rotation by one of the rookies that the Giants drafted last year. And remember, Carter and Zimenez are both coming back from injury. So I think it's really difficult for the Giants to reach higher than a guy like Fackrell in free agency. I think if they're going to bring somebody back, it's probably him on a cheaper 2 to $3 million deal. No, I, I don't mind losing Frackle. I, I don't know why. I just like nothing is really sticking it to me. But Carter Coughlin, I, I would be really excited to see him stick around. I know that he is coming off of an injury, like you said, but I, I saw him do some some pretty great things last year, and and he could be pretty good. 
And, um, you know, I don't know if you guys were going to bring it up or not, but Kyle Van Noy is officially on the market, which I would not mind having him on our team. I don't know if we can afford him, but it would be might. Nice. I'm going to say it's a maybe. But, yeah, having, Kyle, having Van Noy would definitely bolster our defense for sure. So one year ago, the Dolphins signed him to put, what was it, a four-year, 53 four million, something like that. It was either 52 or 53 million. I don't think we can financially afford him. I think if we were to get an edge rusher, I think you'd want to look at a cheaper option like a Justin Houston from the Colts, who used to be that sack machine for the Chiefs. Justin Houston is a guy last year who had eight sacks. He had 11 sacks in 2019. You look at a guy like Van Noy, he was second amongst all linebackers with 29 pressures last year. He was great against the run. He wasn't great in pass coverage, but 69 tackles, 29 years old, and those six sacks, I mean, I would take that. That's an upgrade over Fackrell. The problem is, can you afford him? Probably not. But due to the pandemic, players are probably going to sign for less than what they're worth. So, you know, if we can get him on like an eight to nine million dollar deal and then maybe a Curtis Samuel yeah. on around the same mark, I mean, that could potentially work. The problem is, I don't know how we're, we're going to we can't just make this money appear. I mean, it doesn't grow off of trees. Right. So, <laughs> uh, I was just thinking only, that, too. <laughs> yeah. Life would be so easy. I know. Right. Um but, yeah, it's going to be tough to retain Dalvin. Fackrell would probably come back for less than what he signed last year. I think if they do add an edge in free agency, you might as well bring him back or sign Justin Houston. The last guy is Wayne Goldman. Wayne Goldman had a very solid year. This is a between-the-tackles guy who had six touchdowns. And Dan Dugan reported this today. If the Giants extend Barkley, it'll cost them over $7 million, right? And the Giants will probably pick up Barkley's fifth-year option this spring, so that would be a pay cut from his $10 million cap hit coming up this year. Now, as far as backup goes, they need a reliable backup because of what happened to Barkley last year. We don't know if he's going to come back the same way that he did. So do we re-sign Gallman for about 2 to $3 million, or – do we look at other options like a guy like James White or maybe even a Marlon Mack? No. I think that keeping Gallman around is a great idea because we already know how he fits into this scheme. I think that we already see that he was a great replacement for Saquon after he got hurt, and we wouldn't have to teach a brand-new person the schemes. So I would not mind – sacrificing two or three million dollars for Gallman and the fact that because we like him so much and because he did such a good job having him and Saquon would be great because you know you can swap him out and and do all this stuff the only thing that scares me a little is like that uh where he sat on the ball in the Cowboys game yeah. <laughs> that's the only thing that makes me nervous but um I'm sure that he learns from his mistakes and yeah I I would not mind I would not mind keeping Gallman around yeah, if we could disregard the uh, sitting on the ball thing, I, I would love to bring back the Wayne train. He was very solid, and 
he's a different type of runner from Saquon. That's for sure. He's a yeah. guy that goes north and south, whereas Saquon will sometimes run a little bit backwards and try to get a little too fancy and all that. Which don't get me wrong, it can be fun, but sometimes it kind of drives me a little insane. <laughs> but yeah, no, I would. I think Wayne Galvin would be the perfect complement back for Saquon Barkley. I mean, why not? I agree. I think Galvin should come back. I wouldn't mind James White as more in that Deion Lewis type of role. I think he'd be an upgrade over Deion Lewis. I don't know about an upgrade over Wayne Gallman. I think Gallman's the guy you want to bring back, and you could potentially mm-hmm. get him for less than $2 million a year if you choose. Uh, a, lot of guys, a lot of guys are going to be signing for one-year deals as well, so that's going to be interesting. Uh, Daniel Bakley just joining the live stream, joining it late, but how much did it save to let Zeitler go? $12 million is the number. So – there were really conflicting numbers on Twitter and social media before. A lot of people were saying nine and a half, nine point six, but it's twelve. It's twelve million that we're saving off of Zeitler. So, plenty of pass rushers in free agency. Yep, I I agree. And the last thing we're going to discuss tonight is that the Giants released a plan in free agency. Well, a plan that was reported per Jordan Renan. I want to go over it quickly because the backup quarterback position is another that um, a lot of teams have been trying to fill in this offseason. The Giants are one of them. It's reported there's a good chance Colt McCoy returns. I know a lot of people want to point at guys like Jacoby Brissett or Alex Smith, but I think Colt's the guy you want to keep because he was serviceable last year, and I think he can be serviceable again in 2021. Uh, What do you guys think about Colt McCoy? Do you think he's coming back? Why not? Why not? Yeah. He was pretty, I mean, you look at what he did in the Seattle game. Obviously, it wasn't fantastic by any means necessary, but he did enough to win us the game. And even in the Browns game, I actually think, ironically, he performed a little bit better in the, in the Browns game, like at least if you look at the way he threw the ball. But like at the same time, he's serviceable. He wasn't the reason by any stretch that we lost that game. So I – and that's kind of what you want from backup quarterback anyway. So I, I see no reason why, like, not bringing him back is like a bad idea, you know? Yeah, I agree. And and like one of the one things that I have like on the bottom of my note sheet just says Alex Smith question mark, question mark with nothing else. I, I and I think that that just kind of grasps how I'm feeling about it. If we picked up Alex Smith, I'd be like, okay, but also Alex Smith is uh I don't want him to be, but he's finished. I really don't think that it's a great idea for him to continue playing football due to health concerns, such a, you know, so on and so forth. But Colt McCoy won that Seattle game for us, which I absolutely adore him for. And that that game was probably one of the best games that we had all season. And it was really fun to watch. And it was really exciting because I think a lot of people went into that game assuming that we were just going to lose. Like, that's just – everyone thought Seattle was going to win, which was a fair thought to have. And we won, and I think that that's uh, what you need in a backup quarterback, someone who's reliable, someone who knows how to function in our offensive scheme, and Colt McCoy knows how to do that, and yeah, keep him around. I don't I don't mind. I mean, yeah, why, like, I wouldn't necessarily object to having Alex Smith per se, but right. I think he's done. I it which it's sad for me to say because like I loved his comeback story and all. Don't get me wrong, even if unfortunately yeah, he had to do it with Washington, but to, I'm gonna I'm not gonna mince words. I think he's done. Like I think he's better. He's got a family to feed. He's he's got like 
more money than anyone can dream of. I think he's just better off, like, calling it a career personally. Mm-hmm. Folks, we're, we're still going strong. Uh, to the 17 people watching right now, uh, we're just quickly going over these team notes here. There's a good chance Colt McCoy returns. I agree. Wayne Gallman will return. So I got McCoy and Gallman both returning on one mm-hmm. to two-year deals. I think McCoy yeah. is a one-year. Gallman might be a one to two-year. We'll see. Uh, the Giants will monitor the top of the wide receiver market closely. They're going to monitor it. They're going to be in the mix, but they're probably going to go for a tier two, potentially tier three guy. Uh, if the team moves on from Nate Solder, a swing tackle option is likely. So in other words, they might bring back Cam Fleming to be a swing tackle option, which, okay, fine. If it's like a one-year, $1 million deal, I'm for it. But other than that, Matt Pert should be a right tackle in 2021. Uh, swing tackle is probably an interesting position. Kyler Fackrell could return at the right price, as we mentioned. Will likely add to the interior linebacker position, but not with a significant signing. Uh, we'll see how that goes for the Giants. I don't know who they'd bring in. Probably a depth piece, a similar to a David Mayo type of player, if anything. Um, and then the last couple of ones... We will be searching for the right value at cornerback and free agency. We don't want a revolving door opposite of James Bradbury, Bradbury Bunker. Um, what do we think? Any cornerback two options either of you uh, have in mind at the moment? Because here's the thing. I don't see us targeting that in the draft. I don't. No, no, I don't think we will either because it's not like – absolutely necessary and the fact that we do have such few picks i'm sure if we had like 10 or 11 picks instead i would say sure target a cornerback but i can't think of anybody off the top of my head that's a free agent or available that we could pick up unless i'm wrong Mm. i mean as far as cornerback goes i think logan ryan's going to be recruiting heavily this offseason i think You have to look at a guy like a Malcolm Butler or a Ronald Darby, maybe even an Xavier Rhodes. Ronald Darby was great for the Washington football team this year. He was a big reason why they made the playoffs. They signed him for like a one-year, four to $5 million deal. The Giants can get somebody like that to come in and play opposite Bradbury. I'm fine with that. I don't know if they're going to get anything because they could – Say, hey, Darnay, we really like the way you play this year, but now we want you to shift outside to the number two cornerback slot. They could say they could come in and say that because remember, the only reason why he played slot last year was because DeAndre Baker was supposed to be the number two. He left the team, and then Xavier McKinney got hurt. So that really left the Giants strapped, right? So that's why Darnay played the slot and he made a good name for it. But does he move outside in year two? I think that could be an option as well. We're kind of underestimating here a little bit to be fair deandre baker didn't just leave he robbed a cookout and then (laughs) got arrested (laughs) i'm gonna say it again he gone yeah and then nate ebner casey Kreider likely to return i agree keep the special teams unit in check um i want to ask both of you as my, my final question to both of you tonight is what is your free agency plan if you had like a three to four step plan in free agency, what would those top three to four priorities be? And that can include extending Leonard Williams to a long-term deal. I'll start yeah. with Sam. 
Um, I would definitely include Leonard Williams in there um, in terms of signing him because I think that that's pretty important. And I think I said it earlier in terms of free agency, a lot of people are going after Galladay, but I'm really interested in Curtis Samuel. And Hank said it before, he's got ties to Carolina, which we saw, you know, Gettleman's a big Carolina guy. And I think that Curtis Samuel has a similar talent to Kenny Galladay at a cheaper price, which I think is very important. Hank? I would say, yeah, I think Curtis Samuel will probably be the route that they go for, like, wide receiver free agency because I don't know if you want to break the bank on Kenny Dolliday as good as he is, especially when you've got other receivers coming up talent-wise in the draft. Um, I would say Leonard Williams, but I would – I would probably wait a bit on Leonard Williams. I kind of want to let him prove it this year, so I'm, I'm going to wait on that. Um, however, with that being said, for an edge rusher, I'm hoping to sign a guy like a Justin Houston or maybe a Leonard Floyd because I really think those guys could be a game changer. Leonard Floyd in particular, I feel like, is one of those like unknown, like under-the-radar names that could really help the Giants that like I don't really hear about a lot. And last but not least, hmm... I'm thinking maybe we sign, maybe they go outside the box and sign one an offensive lineman for sure. Not not really thinking of one guy in particular, but Austin Blythe from the LA Chargers is a good example, possibly. And those are pretty much my three moves that I'm thinking. I like what you said, Sam, about Curtis Samuel and Leonard Williams, Hank. I also like what you said about filling in a guard and Curtis Samuel as well. So my biggest thing is, Uh, you want to closely monitor everything, right? So as all three of us know, the Giants and all of you watching right now, the Giants are at a very critical phase of their rebuild where either they can start trending upward Mm -hmm. to a uh, relevant football team that can contend every year, or they can kind of take a step back to where they were in 2018, 2019. We We don't want the latter of the two. And why teams like the Patriots and Steelers Packers are good every single year for the most part, they don't spend a lot in free agency. They sit back. They let all the other bargainers buy these players. And what happens, once those teams splurge, they use the money that they have to retain their players. And then what will happen is lower-tier players who are still good will come to them at a lower price than what they're worth. So now they have those players, and they're able to spend in the draft. So I think – The Giants need to address the offense in the draft and build through that with the six picks that we have. So a swing tackle or a slot wide receiver will probably what we probably be what we go after in free agency. If anything, I wouldn't be against the guard like Forrest Lamp from the Chargers or Austin Blythe, as as you mentioned, Hank. I wouldn't be against that. But look, the Giants have 76 million in cap space next year. We don't want to mess too much with that. Add a piece here or there. Get back to rel. Get back to relevancy. Look, I don't want to sit here. We have to take small incremental steps. We can't leapfrog and sign Kenny Galladay, and can't we can't fill any other needs if we do that. Right. So I think what we have to do is let these teams go out there and spend. The market is flooded. It's going to be flooded because teams are going to continue to cut, 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 cut. More free agents this year than ever before. Giants need to wait it out. Giants can be bargainers after team salary caps shrink. Be diligent. Do what you did with Logan Ryan last year. The reality is we're not getting a number one receiver in free agency. We should extend Leonard Williams, maybe get a solid cornerback too. If you wait this out, Ronald Darby or Xavier Rhodes, and you can't overspend. So my three-step plan is extend Leonard Williams, 
sign a cornerback too, and then get a swing tackle or a slot wide receiver after that. One of those two. I don't think you can do both, but I think you can definitely do one and then wait it out. See if you could do the other later on, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's reasonable. Very That's reasonable. all I had. Plan to operate, guys. We're, we're six days away from free agency. This was a lot of fun tonight. Had I had a lot of fun doing this. Yeah, this was so fun. I'm so glad that we got to talk about all this stuff because it is very fresh, like the Zietler cut and, and even Tate and Mayo getting cut. Like This is all very exciting in terms of the Giants. So I'm really excited that we all, all three of us, got to sit down and talk about it because it's – and the thing is, too, this is just getting started. Okay. Just wait till next Wednesday opens up. Like Free agency is going to be nuts. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna have our eyes on Twitter like every minute of every day for the next. Yeah. Year, I feel like that is for sure. A couple final comments here. Matt Judon could fit well for us uh, potentially as an edge rusher. Yes, and then Leonard Williams. Will he continue to produce after he gets paid? That is always a concern. Yeah. All right, guys. So make sure to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at Big Blue Avenue. Also, give us a follow at Review and Preview as well. Subscribe to our Giants exclusive YouTube channel at Big Blue Avenue. Sam, if you like to plug your podcast again, please do so that everybody knows where they can subscribe to the Girl Who Talks Sports. Yeah, so you can find me on all podcasting platforms and on YouTube at the Girl Who Talks Sports. So please make sure to subscribe and follow and all that good stuff. And my brand new episode went out today. It's Giants based. Chris Guzzo, the Entertainment Talking Sports, was on it, which was Really, really fun. We had a great time. So if you want more Giants content, you can head over there and listen to the most recent episode. And you can follow us on social media on both Twitter and Instagram at TGWTS Podcast. Love it. Thank you very much, Sam. Hank, any final thoughts? No, this was a lot of fun. I'm really anxious and excited to see how this free agency stuff plays out. But obviously, you know, you know what I'm really looking forward to is a draft. But With that being said, as always, Tom, Sam, it's always fun talking football with you guys. Tom, as always, thanks for having me, and um, can't wait for our next episode. No problem. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. Thanks, Andy. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Andy. Part of the core four. (laughs) (laughs) All right. On behalf of Sam Cardona, Hank, and Dictor, I'm Tom Scavetta saying so long. As always, guys. Stay tuned for more Big Blue Avenue content soon. Have a good night, everybody. Take care.